0: Well, good morning. So glad to have you with us. And some of you, this might be your first time with us. Or maybe it's the first time in five months or four months, however long it's been. Welcome back. And um, and if you're watching online, thank you for joining us and uh, watching us with us uh, here at Lake Point Church. And had a good first service crowd this morning. And, and uh, good to see you back here today. And I uh, was just thankful for all that God is doing in his place. Last Sunday, we opened up LP Kids at the 11 o'clock hours. So I see some of our moms and dads. You know, you're taking advantage of that, and that's great. And uh, we're still not there for the nursery and the one-year-olds, and that's going to happen the Sunday after Labor Day. So just a few weeks. So if you're watching at home and you've got the little babies and that's the reason why you're not back yet, just give us a few more weeks. Sunday, September 13th at the 11 o'clock hour only at this time. And so, um, you know, we can't wait for that to happen. So in a few weeks, so, uh, but we see some moms and dads, with good little ones in here too. And uh, we're glad that you could be here and hang out with us. We're just, uh, we're going to have a good time today. And uh, regardless of how old you are, all right? And uh, so, by the way, didn't you enjoy the worship this morning? Yeah? Hey, I had... I had my one contribution for the, for the worship today. You know, we sang that rescuer song. You know, the song with the little hey. Yeah? You like that? Okay. Because on, on, we sang that last Sunday, and on Monday morning, you know, Pastor Tom and I were talking, and, uh, you know, we're kind of going over the Sunday service. I said, you know, Tom, you know, I love that rescuer song. And I listen to it all the time. It's on my playlist. And you're, you're kind of missing that hey part. You got to get the hay in there. And he said, okay, we'll make sure it happens. And so, of course, this Sunday. You guys did such a great job. I thought I was down south somewhere with the hay going on. So uh, so it's okay today if instead of saying hi, you say, hey, hey, you okay? Just go with that. And and that's how you kind of roll. That's how I rolled in the south. And I came back up here after living in Florida for, I don't know, what was it 18 years? And, uh, and I kind of, I, I was talking like a southerner. Uh, it was terrible. I had to detox myself, but that song just kind of takes me back a little bit. So that was my contribution, and um, not that you care, but I care, and I think it's <laughs> awesome. So, hey, see that? Uh, hey, listen, um, we, I can't wait to jump into this message today. We're going to talk about faith over fear. We're going to talk about the fear of the future, fear of the future. I want to take us back 21 years ago. 21 years ago because I think if you were around 21 years ago, you know what I'm talking about because in 1999 everybody was talking about the Y2k. the Y2k bug. you know what I'm talking about, right? They were like we don't know what's gonna happen at midnight of the year 2000, but the worst thing is this if that any money you had in the bank it's gonna it could disappear. Planes would fall out of the sky, life would reset as it is, and so there was this fear of the future. There was this fear in 1999 of what was going to happen on New Year's Eve night when the ball drops and we hit midnight into the new, you know, into the new millennium, and, and so people went crazy. People stock up on canned goods and, and water and, and gasoline. People built shelters, you know, they were ready for the zombies to take over the world. And, uh, and people pulled all their money out of the bank account because they didn't want to lose their money. And, and, and so remember this, I was, in, in 1999, I had just bought my first house. And I was a single guy we really just going to get caught up into it until the final couple days. You know, because everybody went crazy, and I'm just kind of like, whatever. And, and, and I went to the store to just do regular grocery shopping, and there was nothing in the store. Nothing. And I was like, man, I'm in trouble. I need food. What if something does happen at the midnight hour of the new millennium? And so I, I had to look around the store and just get what I could get. And the only thing I could really find that had extra surplus of was spam. <laughs> I thought, well, I better stock up on some spam. I, 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 I kind of stock up. And it's interesting how many ways you can quit spam. You know, you, you name it, you, you can do it with spam. And so, you know, I bought a bunch of spam because I couldn't buy anything else. You know, and I was like, oh, man. And so I remember going into the new year, you know, and I'm like, "What is it going to happen midnight England time? Is it going to happen midnight New York time? Is it going to happen midnight Central time? I didn't know. Nobody knew, you know. And and so sure enough, midnight happened in a different part of the world, and nothing happens. I wake up the next morning. Everything's fine. No plane. No plane fell out of the sky. Money was still in our bank accounts, You know, the shelter that we built was for nothing. And, and, and I had spam to the wazoo. I mean, I, mean, I got spam. I, I don't think I've had spam since then. I mean, I think I was done with spam for life. And so, but the Y2K, the, the, the word that they asked people, that the, the genre was that they asked people, they would say, are you Y2K? Okay, remember that, Y2K, okay, or are you Y2K compliant? And everybody was doing that because we were facing the unknown future. In many ways, we're indeed a fearful nation, fearful people. We, we, we worry, all of our worries are about the future. For example, we worry that we will be left alone in the future. We, we worry that we won't have what we need in the future. We worry that we will be hurt by someone or something in the future. We worry that we won't make it in the future. In fact, the number one concern in every presidential election season, without fail, the number one concern happens to be around the idea of economy, and we fear People worry about their financial future, their social future, their their vocational future. There's this fear that's happening. Oh, you know, if this person gets elected or if this person gets elected or whatever. There's this fear of the unknown. Let me make a clarification. There is a difference between worry and being concerned. There's a big difference. For example, if you're not concerned about your kids playing in the street, on a busy street, then you're not a good parent. You should be concerned. If you're not concerned about saving money for retirement, then you got a problem. You're being foolish. You should be concerned about saving for the future. There are certain things every day that you need to be legitimately concerned about. So I'm not talking about legitimate concerns. I'm talking about today illegitimate worries, illegitimate worries. See, concern, when you're being concerned, it focuses on today. It focuses on the present, where when you worry, you're focusing on the future. Someone defined worry, you see this on your notes, you see on the screen behind you, that worry is the interest we pay in advance today for trouble that may never come tomorrow. The problem with worrying, the problem with fearing for the future is simply this. When you're worrying, you're acting like Either number one, there is no God, or number two, if you believe that there is a God, that He is powerless. When you worry about the future, that's how you that's what you're saying. What you're saying is, I don't really believe that God can do what He says he will do, and I don't really believe that God will be with me and take care of me when I hit trouble. And so this morning, I want to teach us a couple principles of how you and I can experience peace, real peace, God peace, in the face of an unknown future. Two principles. And if you want to take note, the first biblical thought is this. We must take our minds off of the what-ifs of fear. We got to take our minds off. The what ifs of fear. The what ifs of fear. How does it go? It, It might sound like this. What if, what if the economy goes south? What if my company sells out? What if I lose my job? What if he or she is not faithful? What if? What if the doctor gives us a bad report? What if, what if my marriage or our marriage doesn't make it or don't go the distance? What if? What if we can't have kids? We need to take our minds off of the what ifs. We need to take it off. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 14 He said, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. Before the situation even comes up, Jesus said, we need to make up our minds not to worry. I, I when I was growing up, I, I loved skiing. And uh, downhill skiing, I, I enjoyed doing it. And uh, in fact, I, I got pretty good at it. And, and I would go up to the top of the hill, and I didn't care about going back and forth skiing. I mean, that was boring. I mean, for me, if I'm going to go skiing, I'm going to go down as fast as I can. And sure enough, I would go as fast as I can and never had a bad wipeout, all right? that you know, knock on wood, but, you know, I'm not skiing too much nowadays. So, um, and so but I would just go down as fast as I could and, and have a good time. The only problem was my parents or, you know, my dad, he never taught me how to stop. You know, so oftentimes I would, I would just keep going. I would land into the parking lot, you know, not, you know, you know, not get hit by a car. That was, you know, that was my issue. And so finally, my dad says, got, you got to stop skiing into the parking lot. You got to learn how to stop. And he says, well, I don't know how. He says, just wipe out. Just, just fall down, and, and it's not pretty. And so sure enough, I have a beautiful ski down the hill, it's beautiful, very graceful, until I get to the bottom, and on purpose, just flatten out. And that's how I rode. I, I love skiing. And in fact, um, I've been watching some YouTube video of, of some extreme skiers. You've got to watch some of these on YouTube. Just look for or search for extreme skiing. Here's what happened. These idiots, <laughs> they get in a helicopter, and they go to the top of a mountain. They hop out of the helicopter, And they just go down. It doesn't even look like a ski slope. It looks like a giant cliff. And they're just going down. And here's the reality of it. many of these extreme skiers have died, most of the time, because they hit a tree. Because they they lost control and they hit a tree. One of the living guys, by the way, is one of the best in the world. They asked him, how is it that you're still alive, okay, is number one. And how is it that you don't run into trees? And he said something that's very profound. He said this, I don't look at the trees. In fact, I look at the spaces in between the trees. I look at the spaces in between the trees. I don't look at the things that distract me. I look at the spaces between the trees, and I like that. I don't look, we don't look, or we shouldn't look at the what ifs of fear. I made up my mind. I made up my mind ahead of time to not worry or to focus on the trees of what ifs, but to look at the spaces in between the trees. Jesus, he teaches us the principle. He he teaches the principle to take our mind off of the what ifs of fear. We don't look at the trees. We look at what's between the trees. Why does he tell us not to worry? Why does he say all this? It's because this, if you're taking notes. Because worry never changes anything for good. It never changes anything for good. Now, will worry change something? Yes, but never for good. Worry affects your health. Worry affects your relationship with God, with others. Worries affect your ability to be engaged in action. Sometimes you freeze it freezes up. Worry Affects you in a bad, negative way. So worry never changes anything for good. That's why Jesus asked the question in Matthew 6, verse 27. He said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In other words, Jesus said, what good is worrying going to do for you? What good is it? And here's a key thought. I hope you embrace this thought. If so you take a note. Satan's tool of fear is always meant to detour you away from God's best. Satan's tool of fear is meant to detour you away from the best that God has for you. Let me explain it this way: In the old days, you know, and I talk about the old days before my time, you know, that a farmer would put up a scarecrow and a in the, in the corn path, because he wants to scare the birds away. He, want, he doesn't want the crow to eat the corn, so he put up a scarecrow. Now, whether it works or not, we don't know, but here's what we do know. A scarecrow, can it harm anybody? No, it's not alive, you know. So what is the only weapon that fear has? What is the only weapon? And the only weapon that the scarecrow has is fear. It's fear. Our spiritual enemy. Our spiritual enemy, Satan, he has a few weapons. One is the weapon of a lie. He he wants to uh, lie in our minds, deceive our minds, to believe something that is not true as if it were true. Uh, Another one of his weapons is this idea of fear. God, he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but Satan, our spiritual enemy, he absolutely does. So back to the scarecrow. If I was a birdie, and I would be a smart birdie, I'd be a smart little birdie. Anytime I saw a scarecrow, I wouldn't be afraid. Why? Because, because he had no ability to harm me, number one. And number two, I know that that scarecrow is the advertisement for the really best corn. <laughs> I'm going to go where the best corn is, and I don't know where, if that scarecrow, if that's where he's at, hey, that's where I'm going to be at if I'm a smart little birdie. Here's what I found: Whenever fear enters my life, whenever fear enters my life, and I allow the faith of God, faith over fear, to break through the wall of fear, on the other side of that scarecrow, I often find the blessing of God. I I feel rejection. Sometimes I have low self-esteem. In fact, tomorrow, I've been asked to do a comedy uh, thing for 75 pastors and their wives. Pastor Doug Smith from Woodside Bible Church, you know, called me out of the blue last week. Hey, I want you to do some comedy. I said, well, how do you know I do comedy? I found a video of you doing comedy. I said, man, I've done that 10 years ago. He said, okay, so can you do comedy? I said, man... Let me think about it, you know? Sure enough, I'm going to do it tomorrow night, you know? But there was a fear of rejection. There was a fear of, like, man, what if I go and I totally bombed? You know, I I, I totally just don't make it. They all, you know, laughed me off or booed me off. Let's say that they booed me off the the, the property. And I got the fear of rejection. You know, I don't want to be hurt, but the faith of God that's in me, faith over fear, will help me break through. The wall of fear, and on the other side of that circle, I find intimacy that God wants me to have. I sometimes fear failure again. I, I, I'm afraid tomorrow I'm going to bomb out. I even told Doug, I said, "Give me about a minute at the end of inspiration, just in case I bomb it. At least I can inspire." And, and he said, "Hey, just do your thing. You'll be all right." But I, I, I fear failure. I mean, but when the fear of God in me. Faith over fear, when it penetrates my life and it penetrates through that wall of fear that I have, and on the other side of that circle, it's God's blessing and success. As a leader of the church, every time I made a leadership move, an aggressive leadership move, I was first consumed by fear. I I'd be consumed by, man, what, what would people think about me? What will people, how many emails, bad emails am I going to get? What if, what if people leave? What if they don't give? I have all these fears. But when faith, faith over fear breaks through the, that wall of fear in my life, and on the other side of that scarecrow, we have experienced, we have experienced the blessings of God, the scarecrow. My question, my question for you this morning is: What's your scarecrow? What is the thing that you're afraid of? Because that's the advertisement. That scarecrow is really the advertisement of the best thing that God has for you. He got the best coin next to that scarecrow, and the Satan he can do everything he can to put the fear of your life so that you can miss out. I got best for you. Faith over fear. Don't let fear win. Don't let worry win. Don't let the fear of the future win. Faith over fear. And somebody said, man, Scott, you got a lot of good stuff here, but is it really in the Bible? I mean, come on now. I mean, we got to get the word. I mean, scarecrow, you know, scarecrow theology sounds great. It sounds hip. It sounds cool. But come on, where's the Bible? Because if you don't give me another Bible verse in a minute, I'm out of here. I got it for you. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, look it up. Like a, like a scarecrow in the cucumber field. I don't know what that is. Tom and I were discussing the theology of cucumber field. We don't know what that is, but it, I guess it's a cucumber, right? Scarecrow, like a scarecrow in the cucumber field, The idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. They're powerless. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. No one is like Lord. You are great. And your name, your name is mighty and power. The scarecrow, they can't hurt you. They have no power. They're just an advertisement for the good stuff. And some of you are living with an anxious heart, full of anxiety of the future What's going to happen this fall? What's going to happen next year? What's going on with my job? You got all these questions, and I get it. But my friend, we need to take our minds off of the what ifs of the tree, of the fear, and look in the spaces in between the trees. And don't let Satan's tool of fear detour you away from God's best for your life. So that's the first principle. We put our mind off the what ifs. But number two, we will turn our minds on the faithfulness of God. We need to redirect our focus. We need to redirect our focus. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. This is your memory verse. If you're here this morning, and you have a heart of anxiety, you face this all the time, understand we have this. I have this. This is the first to memorize. This is the first to put in your in your Bible in your in your, in your uh, Bible memory bank so that when Satan comes out with the tool of fear you can pull this verse out right away because Isaiah chapter 26 verse number three says you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord the Lord himself. Is the rock eternal? He is the anchor. He is the rock that never moves. He is eternal. Trust in Him. You will be kept in perfect peace. The supernatural peace of God would transcend your human understanding of it. But it will give you a peace in the face of an unknown future and says, God, I want that. How does it happen? It's when your mind is. Fit on the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. When we trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge who he is. The faithfulness of God. Let me give you some thoughts on the faithfulness of God. Some things that can help you be mindful of who he is. Number one, if you're taking notes, remember. Remember how God has performed in the past. That's why the word of God is so important. Because we read stories after story of the faithfulness of God. And He never fails. He never lets you down. He never let anyone down. At Moses, He was preparing the children of Israel to go into the promised land. They've wandered in the wilderness. And they're ready to go and claim the land that God has for them. He made a statement in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30. He said, The Lord your God, who is going before you, We'll fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. Moses, he's asking them to go up and down memory lane to remember the faithfulness of God. He said, don't you remember the parting of the red sea? Don't you remember how God destroyed the Egyptian army? Don't you remember the, the pillar of fire at night and the clouds at day to, to guide you through the wilderness? do you remember when water broke through out of a rock and food, manna, comes down from the sky? Don't you remember God also said something amazing to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah? Isaiah 46 verse 3, he said, listen to me, you descendant of Jacob, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. I mean, I hope you can get that in your mind this morning. From the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, when that cell was first formed, from that moment on, God was upholding you. He has been upholding you since that moment to this day here. Look at what he said in Psalm 139, verse 16. All the days ordained for you and me were written in your book before one of them came to me. God already knows my days ahead of me. They're already ordained. It's already been written in his book. You see, your life and my life its like two bookends. From the moment you were conceived to the day that you die, God was there, God is still there, and God will always be. We need to remember the past. We also, as we think about the faithfulness of God, we need to realize what God has promised in the present. And to realize what he's doing right now. Matthew 6, verse 34 in the NIV, it says, Do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. He said, for tomorrow, we'll worry about itself. He said, each day right now, it has enough trouble of its own. In other words, you've got to take today, which is the only day you'll ever have, this day right here. There's no repeat of today. What happens, happens at the end of today. So you have today, and you need to ask yourself this question. How can I depend on God? Just for today. And the way you do it is to realize that God has promised you just, just for today, right now. He has got promises just for you. Let me read a couple. The Lord says in Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Deuteronomy 31:8. It's another promise. The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And when you take these two verses, these two promises, you put them together. Here's what God says. Here's what God promised. Today, I will guide you. Today, I will guard you. Today, I will go with you. Today, I will give you what you need to face any situation, any trials, any troubles of life. I will be with you today, today. My friend, you see, you and I, we can break promises all day long. I can make a promise and break it. But our Heavenly Father, He doesn't break a promise. He never has and He never will. And I need to realize what God has promised right now in the present. As I think about the faithfulness of God, as I turn my mind on who He is and what He's done in the past and what He's doing today, and also, number three, I need to rely, I need to rely on what God has planned for the future. I need to rely, I need to trust on what God has for the future. Look at Matthew 6, verse 34 again, and I want to read it in the message translation. I read it in the NIV in the last point. But in the message translation, it to give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get woke up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. If you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I can tell you something about your future. I can do it. I can tell you something about your future. In fact, I can guarantee it. I can guarantee it. Here it is. Everything will always work out for good. I can guarantee it. You can take it to the bank. That's not some positive thinking here. This is the word of God, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, by the way, the word all things encompass the good, the bad, and the ugly. He said, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And when you obey God today, get there, when you obey God today and you trust God for tomorrow, then you have found an antidote for the fear of the future. Don't miss that. You obey God today and you trust God for tomorrow, you have found an antidote for your fear of the future. Here's the bottom line. When we're worried, when we're afraid, the truth is that we might not be trusting God. We might not really be trusting God. Let me me ask you this. Do you trust God? Do you trust your Heavenly Father. You see, if he's telling you that he's working all things for your good, that he's working all the good, the bad, and the ugly, to bring about good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, do you trust him? Do you believe that? George Muller, he said it this way. He said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. There's a big difference between faith and fear. I'm going to take a couple notes here. Faith, it brings peace, always brings peace, perfect peace when you put your minds on Him. Fear, worry, it brings turmoil. It brings turmoil. Faith, it draws you closer to God, it draws you closer to Him. Worry and fear take you away from God. Faith, it changes things. God always responds to the faith of his children. Always does. But fear and worry, it changes nothing. It does nothing for you. Take your mind off the what ifs of fear. And put your mind on the faithfulness of God. My anxious friends that are in the room, you have anxious heart, your burden. What's your next step? What's my next step? Write it down. What we're going to do today is that we're going to give your cares to God and don't take them back. Give your burden to God. There's an old sign that said, give your burden to the Lord and leave it there. You know what we do though? We do a good job of taking our burden to the Lord. But sometimes we take it back, don't we? Yeah? I know I do this. I mean, I'm not, I'm preaching to myself here. I say, hey, God, here's my problem. So, oh, by the way, I think you've got enough problems to worry about today. Let me just take that back off your plate and I'll deal with myself. And God said, no, 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 no. Give your cares to me and don't take it back. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. The Bible says to cast all your interests all your anxiety, all your burdens and problems to God. Cast it to him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. We've read this verse before. I'm sure you've read this verse several times this year to remind you. It's a great verse. It says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present Present your request. Take your your burden to God and give it to him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but take your burden to the Lord and just leave it. Leave it there. Another hymn that comes to mind, one of my favorite hymns growing up, it's the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. How many of you know that song? If the first the verse in the chorus, it, it captures this message so well. The verse goes, Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. And the course goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your focus focus on him. Look full in his wonderful face. Get your minds off the what ifs and focus on who he is. We need to cry out this morning, God, by faith, I cast my cares on you and I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to trust you for my tomorrows. I'm anxious, but God, I, I want you to give me faith over fear. Don't let me run away from the scarecrows of my life, God. But help me to remember that Satan, he wants me to detour, detour me away from the best stuff that you have to offer. And so, God, help me to overcome my fear of that scarecrow in my life. Because you've got the best stuff on the other side of it. God, I need you as I face tomorrow. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we can face future. I, I want to make, as I close here in this last minute, in this last minute, I want to make a giant pivot. Because this whole sermon, I've been talking to followers of Christ. Because if you're here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with God, then my friend, you have two things to fear of the future. And I'm going to give you your two things real quick. You should fear death, but bigger than that, you should fear the judgment of God. The Bible said that he who doesn't have a relationship with me, with God, you don't have a relationship with him. You've never asked him to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. When you die in your sin, without the forgiveness of sin, and Jesus as your Savior then you would spend eternity without Jesus. In fact, you would spend eternity in a place called hell. And it's everything you can think of plus a hundred trillion times more. It's not off. it's not a pretty place. It's not a place that anyone should go. But those who die in their sin, that's where they go. And if you're here and you say, you keep putting off Jesus, if I'm you, I will be afraid of my future. You know, Jesus died on the cross so that you don't have to be afraid of the future. Jesus died on the cross so you don't have to be afraid of death itself. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. He conquered sin. conquered death. He conquered all of our fears so that we could have a relationship with him. As the followers of Christ, we don't need to fear tomorrow. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I pray that you will allow this sermon to penetrate your heart and open your eyes to a real future with Jesus because you can only be found in him. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the word that you've given us this morning. God, I pray for those who are followers of Christ. I pray that we will take our minds off the what-ifs of fear and to look in between the trees and to turn our minds on you, to turn our eyes upon you, and to look fully in your wonderful face, not partially, but to completely focus who you are and what you've done in our lives. And so, God, as followers of Christ, we don't have to fear tomorrow. I pray that today we will cast all of our cares, all of our anxiety and burdens. I pray that we don't, that we don't take it back. I pray that we leave it with you. Whatever our, our fear for this fall, whatever our fear is for school, whatever our fear might be for in our marriage, whatever fear might be in our, in our singlehood, not being married, whatever the fear might be, God, I pray that we give it to you They'll obey you today and I trust you for tomorrow. And then God, for those who are not a follower of Christ, they're here or they're watching online, God, I pray that today, that they will give their heart to you. And have a relationship with you so that they don't have to fear death. They don't have to fear the afterlife but we can have confidence in the blessed hope that one day we will be, that we will live forever in a wonderful place and to live with you forever. And that gives us hope. And so God, maybe there's someone I'm talking to that's in this room right now, and I'm talking to those who are not a follower of Christ. And maybe you've been wrestling with this message. Maybe the last couple of minutes really got to your heart. And you said, Scott, you were talking to me, and I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm just taking a, a gamble of life. I'm taking a gamble on eternity. Because the, the truth, the truth, and the, the truth of the fact of the matter is this: that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible says that our life is but a vapor; it appears for a little time and gone. We don't know. But here today, you're saying, God, today, I want to quit playing games with God. And I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want him to come into my life, be my Lord, I'll be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins so that I can have eternal life that can only be found in Jesus. And if that's true, you simply have to do this. Jesus he paid it all he did he died on the cross for you when he was on the cross you were on his mind and, and so all you need to do is cry out to him because he's offered the gift of salvation to you you just have to take it you take it by just simply asking him to God come into my life and here's the prayer you can pray right where you're at you can pray if you're watching online you can pray whether you're up north in the cabin you know, or, or in your living room, wherever you might be, you can pray silently in your arms and say, Dear God, I am a sinner. And I need forgiveness of sin. All my sins. And then you come into my life. And I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to have fear of the future. I don't have to be, I don't want to have fear of my death and the afterlife where I'm going. God, I want to have confidence know where I'm going. And so, God, come into my life and be my Lord. And no one's looking around and He says, God, I just prayed that prayer. I prayed it with you. And I ask you to come in my heart. I want to just kind of celebrate. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have people look at you. But if that's you, kind of just celebrate just a, a, a personal moment between me and you. If that's you, can you raise your hand. Is there anyone in this room that says, man, I just asked Jesus, I prayed that prayer, and I Jesus to come in my heart. Anybody like that in this room today? Maybe you're watching online. You made that decision. Let us know about your decision. Let us know how we can celebrate with you and help you in your walk with Jesus. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to walk with faith over fear. Give all of our burdens, all of our anxiety to you. And I leave it with you for good. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.